passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. When you need to know what's happening, it's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, Carl Dukes. Put him up along with my man Jason Lock on Four. You read him in the Washington Post. Of course, he is a big-time host in Baltimore as well. He's all over the place. Baldy is also a part of this podcast, guys. And it's it's go time. Jason, we come off of Labor Day weekend. I hope you had a good one. You look a little tan, my man. You look a little tan. Uh, yeah, I hope you had a good one. I hope you had a great weekend, but it is go you time too. in the NFL. And, and guys, this is what we've been waiting for. Um, we are, as we record this podcast, two days away from the start of the NFL. So I want to start there. Thursday night, the big kickoff game, Chiefs, Lions. Um, everybody's talking about, you know, the fact that the Chiefs have everything to get back to the Super Bowl. Casey is a seven-point favorite, right? You see it right there, six and a half. If you're yeah. a gambling guy like we are, all right? And we are. And we're going to talk some gambling along the way as we do each and every week. But let's start there, Jason, and preview this game Thursday night. The big thing for the Chiefs is no Chris Jones. Chris Jones is is not there, hasn't been yep. there. And I think, Jason, that's going to be a big part of what we see defensively because the Lions' offense is pretty damn good. Yeah, it, it, it will be fascinating. For me, Chris Jones right now is the best defensive player in football. Um, I, I put him ahead of some of the edge rushers just because what he does is an interior um, butt kicker. It, it's it's pretty special. <clears throat> you know, and Aaron Donald wasn't quite Aaron Donald last year, and, and he's been beat up. And I think Chris Jones and his representation are looking at this the exact same way I am, which is nobody else in the NFL is doing what this guy did consistently, you know, the last couple of years. And he has outperformed that contract. And 
I think he deserves more money than Bosa. I think he de- deserves more money than Watt. And, and I think he's probably going to get it, but I don't think he's going to get it in time for this game. Or he may get it right before this game, Carl, but I don't know if he's going to get it in time to play him in this game. And, yeah, when you look at it from a uh, like a game theory point of view, like what goes through Andy Reid's head when – the defense is not really the strength anyway, and you're taking out the number one difference maker, maybe the best player on that side of the football in the entire sport. Um, and what I think it makes him do is chase points even more. And I think it, it um, ma- makes puts even more of an emphasis on the efficiency uh, and the execution of them offensively. I think it brings out the best in a guy like Patrick Mahomes in the red zone. Uh, and and luckily for the Chiefs, they're facing an opponent in Detroit whose defense was sorry last year, you know? <laughs> so you've got that element. And then Detroit wants to run the ball, right? I think they probably want to run the ball even more without uh, Chris Jones. Um, I, I think they'll be fairly effective running the ball. But I think if you really dig down on Detroit last year, you will find that they were a team that was built for their environment. If you if you crunch their numbers in domes versus outside, artificial fast tracks to natural surfaces, it's two different things. And, and even the run game, where it's 140-plus per game indoors, barely over 100 per game outdoors. Jason, I also am concerned about the Lions' pass rush. Aiden Hutchinson is a dog. We know that. And he lived up to it. But I don't know if they have enough interior pressure from up the middle, which is where you have to pressure Patrick Mahomes. Coming off the edge, he steps up. He makes plays. He avoids pressure. Um, Isaiah Bugs. I'm looking at their roster. Charles Harris. Some of these guys in the interior. This is what concerns me. And then remember, guys, they drafted Jack Campbell out of Iowa. And a lot of people said, what are they doing? Now, they think this big, long linebacker is going to be able to patrol the middle of the field, but that's my concern is whenever you're playing Patrick Mahomes, you've got to get pressure, and I don't think they have enough to bring the kind of pressure to make him make mistakes. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and, And you look at them last year, right, and who they faced. Detroit against playoff quarterbacks. Now, they didn't face the elite of the elite. They did face Josh Allen once. They got Cousins twice. You know, they got Dak, but it was very early in Dak's comeback, and they were kind of yep. getting to sort through some things. Um, Detroit playoff quarterbacks averaged 288 passing yards a game, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions, a QB rating of almost 102. They, they could not cover tight ends. They were last in the league in percentage of quarterbacks' attempts to tight ends that went for a touchdown, almost 11% of every pass to a tight end against the Lions last year, went for wow. a touchdown. We, we know what Kelsey has in store. Um, and you look at Andy Reid, right, and historically what he's done. And we talk about it in season all the time. Andy Reid off a of bye, like everybody kind of like, you know, there's things we know at this point. Like Mike Tom never had a losing season, right? You never want to face Andy Reid off of a bye. Well, I look at going into the season like off of a bye. So let's look at Andy Reid, week one, week one games, Carl. Uh, he's won six of them by seven points or more. 
his last six opening games, five of those week one victories were by 10 points or more. The the Chiefs have averaged 20 have scored, I'm sorry, 27 or more points in eight straight week one games. I don't think that bodes really well for Dan Campbell's defense. When Andy Reid has this much time to prepare for an opponent, right? And now you say, I think it's even more of a game where there's a premium on offense because of the lack of Chris Jones. I, I think you're running into a buzzsaw, right? Then you factor in, it's at Arrowhead. It's a primetime game. Everybody's lubed up. They're hanging another banner. And Patrick Mahomes in his in his five week one games, 73% passer, 18 touchdowns, no interceptions. <laughs> he averages 308 yards per game. The season yeah. openers, Carl, he has a QB rating of 136.86 in week one lifetime. Again, 18 touchdowns, no interceptions. He averages 3.6 touchdown passes per week one start. And he's going against a team that's soft on that side of the ball while they hang a banner. I think they're going to score some points, Carl. I don't know. I think <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people will be talking about the over in this. You see it 54 and a half. I don't know. I mean, Jason, to your point about Patrick Mahomes and guys, Lions fans, don't get discouraged. We're just telling you this is what you're going up against. Everybody's all hyped up about the Lions and excited about what they did at the end of last season. You're going into a tough situation in week one, and this is what it is. It doesn't mean that they won't win that division, but Jason just laid out the stats for you for Patrick Mahomes, sure. Holmes, who is still the best quarterback in the NFL, period. Yes. Here's the other thing. Yes. Here's the other thing. They had nine rookies at various points that started for them last year and they won a Super Bowl. And I'm talking about the Chiefs. Guys, you don't want to you don't want to say this, but if you thought the Chiefs were in rebuild mode last year because they lost the Cheetah and then they had all these rookies come in, right? Pacheco, and especially on the defensive side, they had a bunch of DBs that played for them. All these guys are going to be better in year two. Yeah. They're going to be better. So I don't think this whole thing about, oh, they're they're in rebuild because, you know, they're playing all these young guys. They got back to a Super Bowl because of their quarterback and the play of some of these guys. Sky Moore, some of these young players who are going to be better. I like the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs to cover. Based on what your information right there about Patrick Mahomes, and it screams he just doesn't lose openers, guys, especially at home. So uh, I like the six and a half if we're talking about the gambling aspect. But I just think the Chiefs coming off of the Super Bowl – they want to show everybody that wasn't a fluke. Hey, we, we did our, our everything we uh, needed to do last year, and we're, we're back and better than ever coming back into this season. Yeah, and again, I don't think, to your point, we need to, we need to draw any macro-level conclusions for, about what the Lions are or can be. I, I think the schedule makers kind of set this up in a certain way, and I think the, the Chiefs will probably cash in on that and uh, – yeah, there's a few props and parlays, some other things to this game, some corollaries to it that we'll, we'll touch on briefly in our in our gambling uh, segment. But uh, I think this is a tough gig for the Lions across the board. Caliber of opponent, timing of the game, Andy Reid all that time to prepare. Chiefs celebrating a Lombardi trophy. And, and then again, the Chris Jones thing, um, I, I, I just suspect that puts an even finer cutting edge to what Mahomes and Reed try to do in this game. 
and try to do early in this game to take the Lions out of that Ben Johnson multiplicity option run game and force Jared Goff to have to throw the ball outdoors, you know, on the road where it's going to be nuts. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, Jason, let's move on. We've got a couple more games we need to preview, guys. It's in the huddle. Subscribe today. You can watch us on YouTube as well and subscribe wherever you get your podcast uh, on the Odyssey app as well or on YouTube at In the Huddle Pod. And check this out. Jason Lock on four. Baldy will be here on Thursday. We will do this each and every week throughout the course of the NFL season, bringing you the latest and biggest stories and talking about all the storylines. Um, I'm going to tell you first before we get into New England, Philly, what I think happens in New England. I think the pressure is on Bill Belichick like it's never been. They haven't been in the playoffs in three years. They haven't done anything since basically Brady left. Um, they, they hired Bill O'Brien as a new coordinator. I think this season goes wrong for New England. They have a good defense, but the offense doesn't scare anybody. And I think New England and the owner, Robert Kraft, Jason, kicks Belichick up to the front office. He's not going to fire him. He's he's, he's there for life. And he says, we're going to bring in some new blood. I don't think New England does anything this year. And I love Philly in this opener. But tell me what you think about this game. New England, Philly, I think there's a lot of pressure. And I've been saying this on all my shows, Jason on Bill Belichick, and nobody wants to believe it. Robert Kraft is like, yo, we need to do something. Yeah, I think your theory is probably right. I just don't know how that goes as you play that out because I don't think Bill Belichick has any intentions of going upstairs and doing what his mentors' footballs are until he passes Don Shula. You know, so I don't know that those timelines are going to align. Is he going to? And is he going to be given the time the to do that? Says that to Belichick. Well, no, but I think Belichick would say, "Hey, if that's what you want, that's fine. We can we we can talk in three years, but I'm going to go somewhere else and get you know what I mean and finish my coaching career and do what I have to do." Um, you know, and and Belichick's original plan, which was break the record there. You know, he thought he would have broken. You know, by now, probably been a little closer to it. Move upstairs, hand to my son Steve. That ain't that ain't gonna happen. Um, you know, I, I think the next guy up there uh, is is Gerard Mayo. It's it's not Steve Belichick. It's an interesting game. Uh, I don't think 
New England's defense probably got the credit it deserved last year because, you know, it, Belichick undermined the whole operation by not having a real offensive coordinator, right? And it was just so inept offensively that I think we all focused on that and gravitated to that. And what the hell is Mac Jones? You know what I mean? And do they even yeah. really have the answer at quarterback, let alone anywhere else? And why doesn't Bill Belichick believe in, you know, identifying skill players? But I think it really obscured how good the defense was despite all that, you know, and then practicing yeah. against this unit and seeing that jackass Patricia, right, sitting there like this, pretending he's running an offense, and they're like, you got to put your shit off someday. You know what I mean? Like, it was bad enough. But, you know, when he was trying to tell us what to do, that, that's a complete bleep show over there. Like, if that's how it looks against us on Wednesday, how the hell is that going to look against Josh Allen? And the Bills do all on the other side of the ball, whatever. Sean McDermott and the Bills defense come Sunday. So I think they'll they'll play hard. I think they'll play well. I think they'll get after Jalen Hurts a little bit. I think both these teams, I'll be fascinated to see how many sacks there are and how many pressures there are Mm. in this game. The Eagles averaged over four and a half sacks per game on the road last year, which is astounding. And New England racked up 36 sacks in Foxborough last year in, like, what, eight home games. So I think they both can get after it. I think they both will get after it. New England's defense the last couple years, as stingy as any in the NFL against the run, they don't allow rushing touchdowns. And we know that's something that the Eagles exceed in from the quarterback to a bunch of different backs, right? And now DeAndre Swift is in that mix um, as well. So how does like where does the rubber hit the road there? Um, and as much as New England's really good against the run, running quarterbacks give them fits. Lamar ran 11 times for 107 yards and a touchdown last year. Fields, we all remember that prime time game, 14 for 82 and a touchdown. Uh, they faced four running – well, played four games against what I would deem running quarterbacks last year. They, they lost all four. Um, I, I do think they probably hang in there a little bit. I'm not a big Bill O'Brien guy, but, my God, he's got to be better than Matt Patricia, right? I think they'll be um, a degree of professionalism and understanding and how they prepare for games and what they ask Mac Jones to do. That should bring out a little – you know, a, a little something extra in him. I mean, this New England team last year, 32nd in red zone touchdowns, 28th in first downs, 27th on third down. It, it was a total disaster. I think it's a little better than that. Um, and I also don't think the Eagles are going to have the magic carpet ride they had last year. I mean, think of how many games Eagles games were over by halftime last year. Yep. Right? Like, yep. You didn't know if you didn't know if you could run against them because you didn't get a chance. You weren't running against them in the second half. You were probably down by two scores, right? So they, they kind of made you a one-sided, and, and, and a lot of the game flow played to their maximum advantage. So, so I think it's probably a pretty close game. Um, you know, I, I, there's a total to this that I like that we'll, we'll get to a little more in-depth in our, in our gambling uh, segment. Um, but I, I think Bill Belichick does pull out all the stops here. I think Bill Belichick's defense comes to play. Um, and what I'm going to be fascinated to see is with the Eagles, the development of what I'm calling the Bulldog Bunch. You look at their roster now. Yeah, They've got 27 players on defense. Five of them are Georgia Bulldogs in their first or second year. None of them are older than 23 years old. You look at their 
front seven, they're carrying 16 linemen slash linebackers. Four of them are the Bulldog Bunch. And I think getting Davis and Carter together is is going to uh, be real impactful. Uh, and then, you know, you've got linebackers behind them, right? And you've got N'Kobe Dean, who's now – he's the mic. He's the central nervous system. Yep. He knows what those two cats in front of him are doing just by – an arm movement, right? A head faint. Like there's so much, like they know each other's people. They know each other's football players. They know what their tells are. They've been trained the same way to see the game the same way. And now, you know, you could have five of them on the field at the same time in some packages because Ringo, the, the corner, I, I know they really like what he did um, this summer. Right. And they have a lot of, a, a lot of trust in him. Um, you know, I, I think when they put a NASCAR pass rush package together, you're going to see three of those kids really be in positions to wreck the quarterback. And I think Jalen Carter is going to have a monster season. And he's got guys like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham around him who not only can show him the way as role models, but when he needs tough love and he's going to need at times tough love, that they can dole it out in a way that he has to respect and he has to look up to. And he can't just tell him to F off like he might be able to say to, a, you know what I mean, a younger coach or a position coach or whatever. I think the guardrails are there. And I think those two tackles um, and, and, and those young linebackers uh, will probably hit the ground running because there's it's not like a normal situation. They, they They're going in there. They've already got like an incubator. As one person in their front office put it to me like, they already have an established social network. So it's yes. like they went from high school to college together. That's a huge jump in terms of your development as a person, as a player, um, right? Everything about you, you're thrust into a new environment. How do you handle that? They've already done it together. They have that that they can lean on each other for. Um, and now you already have these guys in that room who are going through it with you. And there's so many of them. Um, I think Howie Rosen was pretty smart. And I, I think this was pretty calculated, right? They moved up to get Jordan Davis. They moved up to get Jalen Carter. And if this works, look out. Um, I think that D-line might not might not miss a beat. Um, so I'm fascinated to see the Eagles. I love the way the schedule sets up for them the first six weeks. They play yeah. a lot of bad offenses like this New England offense. Um, and I think it might be a little more grinded out for them than that magic carpet ride they were on the first two months of the season last year. And that might be good for them come January and February. Defense travels. I'll say this about Jalen Carter. He went to the right place. To your point, Jason, that is such a big part. And you guys don't – I mean, a lot of people don't remember this. Maybe you weren't following it as closely. Listen, there were a lot of question marks about Jalen coming out in this draft. You know, he had the driving situation uh, down at Georgia and Athens where, you know, a, an offensive lineman, a buddy of his passed away, or, you know, reckless driving and all of this. There was a lot there, and it questioned the character of Jalen. And so for him to go to the Eagles, to your point, and have that system and that support system, huge. I don't know if that if that's anywhere else that he might feel like he's going to be successful early on in his career because he's got these guys that, first of all, can play in front of him, but also – can kind of set the, set the tone and show them the way. I'll say this, too, about the Patriots before we move on. We're also going to find out if Mac Jones is a, is a franchise quarterback this year. And if yep. he's not, it plays into the Belichick theory that I have that you don't have your franchise quarterback, you're not back in the playoffs, 
Now you're going back out, and I know this is going to be a good draft for quarterbacks in the in the spring. We're a long yeah. way away from that. But you've now you've got to go find that guy. I just think there, there's a lot to prove for New England, and this is a big matchup in week one. But I'm with you, Jason. I think it's a closer game than people expect. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, check us out, and make sure you tell your friends you don't miss an episode of In the Huddle. Tuesday, Thursdays, we release new episodes, usually unless there's breaking news. Let's talk about Browns Bengals because Joe Burrow is back. Now, I have no questions that what we've seen with Joe Burrow, he'll be ready to play. Uh, last year, you guys, you remember he, he had the appendix situation. He didn't look right the first couple of weeks, but he played. No. Yeah. I'm going to say he plays and he's back and he's okay. Browns, Bengals, Jason, I like the Bengals here just because based on their history, I, the Browns are a prove-it team to me, and I think Deshaun Watson will be a lot better quarterback this season. Where are you at on this matchup come Sunday? Yeah, I, I think this one, um, I'm not playing from a, a point spread angle. I, I Styles make fights, right? There's certain teams – who give certain teams problems. Like the Chiefs offense, when they face the Jags or they face the Titans. Tough. Even before, like you can go back and watch some of the games against the Jags, even before the Jags became the Jags, you're kind of like, how did how did Kansas City not score more? Um, Cleveland, and I know they have a new coordinator now in Jim Schwartz on the defensive side of the ball, but he's not stupid. You know, a, a lot of what Cleveland has done against these guys has worked. And you go back last year, right? They split. Cleveland holds them to 13 points in the first game, 23 in the second. Um, Joe Burrow, for his career against Cleveland, fairly ho-hum. 10 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, mm. 6.8 yards per attempt. Um, you know, a QB rating around 91. Not not Sterling. That's a team he's faced five times. Um, you go back to their games last year. Burrow was by no means um, extraordinary. So I, I do wonder that coupled with the time off, if there's a bit of a learning curve. And man, like you can't sugarcoat it. The Browns offense was horrific with Deshaun Watson. I mean, they averaged 12.8 offensive points per game with Deshaun Watson. I'm going to say mm. that again. 12.8 offensive points per game with Deshaun Watson. They were at 23.8 with Jacoby Brissett. 
Yeah. So yeah. do I think all that's fixed in one offseason? Not necessarily. Do I think some of that is up here in Deshaun Watson? It might always be. I wonder. Um, I didn't love what I saw Deshaun Watson in the in this in the summer. Um, some footwork, some sort of lazy mechanics. I, I don't I don't know. It's an interesting cast that he has around him. Um I think it's probably an ugly early divisional game. And I think it's a game worth highlighting because this is a really tough division. I think you can make the case for all four teams. I'm not as bullish on Cleveland as some. I'm probably way more bullish on Pittsburgh than many. Uh, but but this game will probably resonate. Um, I'm really interested to look at Miles Garrett now uh, with Zadarius Smith coming from the other side. Jadavion Clowney last year was, was kind of a wash, right? And it got so bad and he got so jealous of Miles Garrett that they basically sent him home the last three or four weeks. Now, this is going to be a real hungry Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith played in this division for a long time with the Ravens. Um, he's an emotional guy. His, his engine runs hot. I, I worry about him from a, a longevity standpoint, though. He's He's been pretty beat up in recent, in recent years. But coming out of the gate at home against the Bengals, his first game as a Brown, you know, I, I got news for you. The Bengals' new left tackle, Orlando Brown, Jadarius knows him really well from their time together in Baltimore. <laughs> so I I can see both quarterbacks being under a little a little bit of duress here. Um, you know, I, I, I could. You know, this is a game that I feel like everyone talks about the Bengals and what they lost at the safety position, and I get it. But, boy, I think they're watching film this week probably saying, we could use Samaji P. Ryan against these guys. Like, if they're bringing the heat the way they might be bringing the heat, right? He was a real weapon for them in the screen game. He was a real weapon for them in the horizontal passing game. And, and you know, Joe Mixon's a nice pass protector, but P. Ryan would sell out. So I think this could be a little bit of a slot. The Bengals are the better team. Um, Bengals have the better coach. I think the Bengals probably find a way to win. You know, last year – they only allowed 20 points per game. Lou Anarumo, you know I'm a huge fan of his, their coordinator. But yeah. I, I don't know that this is the kind of light them up, shoot them out, you know, game that you might think of. Like when the Browns landed Deshaun Watson 18 months ago. And you looked at games like this and said, wow, that might really be, you know, a, a throwback at the OK Corral or whatever. Um, I don't I don't think it plays out that way. Yeah, Lou, the defensive coordinator, Jason's talking about. Um, his front four, I really like. Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader, BJ Hill, Trey Hendrickson. I like those guys, man. And they play hard. Uh, I think that's an underrated front, front four. And to your point, it's going to be – points are going to be hard to come by. I, I believe that. I think this will be a lot closer game. You know, I, I'm, we'll get into it with the gambling spot, Jason. But I think, you know, with the three and a half, I think it's two and a half for – uh, Cleveland being the underdog here, it's a three-point game. And you start looking at these numbers in the first week, I mean, there are really no, like, wild numbers. I just saw Baltimore's a 10-point favorite over Houston. Yeah. And I and I get that. Favorite. Yeah, and I understand why. I get it. But, you know, all these other games are three, two and a half. So, I, uh, I, I think Joe Burrow being healthy. They held him out. They know the deal. Um, and he'll be fine. And I think to, from a play calling standpoint, it is going to be interesting. The P Ryan thing is interesting. What you just said, that may play out. We may be talking about that Sunday evening 
when we come back and talk about the surprise of the weekend. Hey, guys, it's Jason Lock on four. Carl Dukes, it's in the huddle. Baldy's with us on Thursdays. All right, we got one more to talk about. We're going to break down more games on Thursday with Baldy, guys. But we got to ask and talk about the Cowboys and Giants because there's so much pressure on Dak Prescott to get the season started right. He cannot go in, he cannot go into this game and yeah. throw two picks, right? He throws two pick sixes. Everybody in Dallas is going to lose their mind. Cowboy fans are going to be jumping off a cliff. So Cowboys, Giants, Giants are improved. I like their offseason moves. Saquon seems like he's fine. And, hey, we're moving forward. There's no drama there. And we know what Brian Dable is all about. What do you think, Jason? You know, I, I think this game could get a little kind of bonkers. Um, Dallas has had the Giants number at the Meadowlands for – a while now, um, Dallas swept this series last year. And remember, they didn't have Dak in the first game. They still put up almost 400 yards. And in both games, they ran it down the Giants' throat. And I know when Rentendale, their defensive coordinator, you know, they tried to do some things to get a little better against the run. But I think this is probably a tough matchup for them. Dallas ran for 176 in the first one, 169 in the second one. Um I'm really interested to see the evolution of the Giants offense. You know, I think you know, they're excited about some of the young receivers. They're super excited about Darren Waller. Um, you know, he he can make a quarterback. He makes a guy better just with his presence. And you have to change the way you defend that entire offense now. Um, and when they get him and the kid Bellinger on the field at the same time, like they can do some interesting things out of 12 personnel. Uh but I, and I'm not the biggest cowboy guy in the world, you know, but it's just that Wink Martindale live by the sword, die by the sword thing. And if, if he blitzes the hell out of Dak, and I suspect he will, because that's just what he does, you know, they've got, they've got so many weapons. Um, and, and again, if, if, if they can set up play action and everybody knows how they run the ball in these guys, I think that could be, you know, I think that could be a tough ask for the Giants, you know, and, and I know they took a corner in the first round and I love the kid. He played at Maryland. They love the kid. But this is a little bit of a trial by indoctrination by fire. You know, I, I think when these two teams meet again later in the year it might be a little different story. But I think there's a lot of new sort of components with the Giants um, and Dallas is a little more stayed and true. If it doesn't go over. I think we'll look at Mike McCarthy and how he called this game versus how Kellen Moore would have called this game and say maybe McCarthy just – maybe he wants to run for 300 yards on them. You know what I mean? Like maybe he just right, wants to right. play rugby because he's very risk-averse, right? And part of the reason Kellen Moore isn't there anymore is because Moore really wanted to push the ball downfield. And so that maybe, perhaps this is a situation where he's like, we're on the road. It's going to be crazy there. I don't want to get my quarterback killed in week one. You know, and again, I think McCarthy much more conservative by nature than Kellen Moore. So I, I'm not playing this game personally. Um, I'm going to watch it very closely. But I, I want to see that Dallas offense, what it looks like, you know, with the the new old guy in charge versus what we could count on in the past couple of years, which was Kellen Moore's trying to get a job as a head coach in this league. And he thinks throwing the ball in first, second, third, and fourth down is the best way. <laughs> That's the best script for Kellen Moore. Might not be the best script for Dak Prescott or the backup quarterback, 
but that's the script for Kellen Moore. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are certainly some interesting trends here. And just one thing to keep in mind in general with the two, two team, two of the four teams we just talked about, the Giants were 13 and four against the spread last year. I mean, the Giants were historically significant against the spread last year. Um, and Cincinnati, I think, had 11 or 12 wins against the spread. So those two teams uh, have cashed a lot of tickets for a lot of people if you've been backing them, uh, you know, last season. Yeah, think about it, though. I mean, it makes sense, right? Ball control, the way they use Saquon in close games, they didn't try to make Daniel Jones do too much. And it makes sense why they were in games and stayed close and covered the spread a lot of times last year. I'll say this about Dallas. They went out and they got Stephon Gilmore. I think they have the best player defensively in Micah Parsons. All right. Mm-hmm. I think he's the best defensive player in the league. He's pro- He wants to prove it this year and win that award. He's talked a lot about it. I, I just think this is a Super Bowl caliber roster for the Cowboys. And if not now, win. Like, you've built this thing back up, Jerry. Steven, if not now, when is this thing going to happen for the Cowboys? You've invested 40 mil per year into your quarterback. You've changed coordinators. Like, Jason, there are no more excuses. We, at the, at the no. end of this year, we, we can't say, oh, well, you know, they need to do one more thing. He's got a great wide receiving core, good defense. I just think all those things line up, and it's really going to come down to him playing big. And I'm talking about Dak Prescott. In these big moments, can he deliver? And, and you know, regular season is one thing. He's got to get him there. Playoffs is another, and I know we're a long ways away from it, but I just, that's my major concern for the Cowboys. I think defensively, Dan Quinn's got them rolling. Guys, they turned over, you know, uh, they've had more turnovers the last two seasons than anybody. They turned over everybody pretty much. So they're giving the offense extra chances, Jason. Yeah. I I, I don't know what, what you can say about this Cowboys squad that has you going, well, I don't know if they're good enough. They're good enough. I don't know if the quarterback is well, good enough. Well, especially in the NFC, and especially in yes. that division. I mean, they better, they, they, they better be good enough. Um, they've reinvested in the offensive line. Um, yeah, I do think the defense tailed off a little bit last season, but it, it was more than – I mean, it was plenty for any quarterback to ask for. Um, and the defense has generally done the job against the Giants. The last six Cowboys games at the Meadowlands, the Giants have scored 16, 6, 19, 18, 35, and 10 points. So Dallas has pretty much shut down the Giants at the Meadowlands. Um, you know, but this whole Mike McCarthy thing, I'm very interested. Because, like, like, like he's gone. Too. Like, let's let's not kid ourselves. Like, he's, yeah, he's the he's, first he's, guy out. Because yeah, they're still done. sort of tied to Dak. And Jerry is very reticent to admit defeat with players because he's the one who negotiated the contract. He decides who gets paid <laughs> yep. and how much. He is the GM. So he don't want to be wrong there. But could I have picked the wrong coach to get all my players over the top? Yeah, I probably did that. But the, the players are always good. Like the play, the play now the roster's awesome. That guy just bleeped it up. Thanks for being here, guys, for another edition of In the Huddle. We're back Thursday. We're talking about more games. We're getting you ready for not only Thursday night, but Sunday, a full slate of games. And then Jason and I will be back Sunday 
You got to make sure you subscribe because you'll miss it. We'll give you some key things that we thought about Sunday's matchups leading into next week and talking about it on Sunday evening. So make sure you subscribe. Jason, man, have a great day. We will talk again soon and enjoy the games. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 